0: Let's hear now the words of the Hebrew lection as taken from 1 Kings 3, 5 through 14. This is what it says. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made me your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant therefore An understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Dr. Biggs and Boston Avenue for having us here again this year. I said earlier this morning, just as salmon must swim back upstream to their place of birth and swallows go back to Capostrano, so must the bishop come back to Boston Avenue. We enjoy doing this every other year, and uh, I'm delighted to be here along with members of the cabinet who are here and others who are in town for this week's festivities. May God bless you all as we celebrate this week, and I'm delighted to see all of you here. Let us pray. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus like the fragrance after the rain. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's... I don't think that there's a person in this building or someone watching by way of television this morning who hasn't heard of the game show Jeopardy. You've all heard of it. For over 25 years, Jeopardy has stood at the top of game shows that educate and inform. It is... The catchy tune that at the end of the show that is played that has this ability to just kind of stay in your ear all the time. And if it escapes you at this time, I'm going to ask Dr. Susan if she could hit that for us this morning. (laughs) <laughs> kind of makes you take your pad out and want to write something huh? <laughs> I like that show and you like it too But the thing that makes this show you so unique my brothers and sisters Is that it has a format like no other show on TV it, It's something special about it because you see in the show It gives you the answers But the contestants must come up with the questions. And as Alec Trebek reminds us all the time, make sure it's in the form of a question. I share that with you this morning because, you see, over the years I've discovered that this game show Jeopardy is in many ways similar to how we live our lives every day. You see, I have discovered that life, life bombards us with ready-made answers and invites us into solutions that are tempting and seductive. But part of our modern day dilemma is this, we often have all the answers we need and the direction that we want our lives to take, but unfortunately, we don't always know what the question. A few years ago my oldest son Eric graduated from college and to this very day I thank God for that miracle. He actually graduated. And and my wife and I went to Baton Rouge and watched him walk across the stage and oh it was a wonderful event. But as he received that diploma, suddenly I realized three things. First Eric didn't have any money. Secondly, at that point, I realized that Eric didn't have a job. And lastly, now that school was over and he graduated, Eric didn't have a place to stay. It frightened me. And so being the parent who is supportive. You know, as we're all called to be, I went up to him at the end of it and I said, Eric, why don't you move in with me? <laughs> why don't you come home with me until you get a job and sort things out? I still can't believe I said that. <laughs> and so he moved in with me and, and you know, Time will not allow me to go into all the things that happened while living with my oldest son. But I do remember saying on one occasion, son, if we get out of this living arrangement alive, I'm going to kill you. That's what I told him. But you see, the problem was it became apparent that right away Eric had already figured out all the things he wanted to do with his life. He often talked of getting that high salary, high paying position. He talked about moving out and getting that nice apartment with a view. He would read these magazines about all the sports cars that he could buy, you know, and all those kinds of things. In other words, Eric had all the answers. And my response to him was, son... I don't have a problem with you setting lofty goals for yourself, but you're going to have to leave room in the margins. He looked at me and said, The margins? I said, Yes, that's the space along the edges, son. I tried to explain to him that life is what happens to us while we're on our way to some other destination. And it's not enough to have all the answers. You have to know what the questions are going to be. It's akin to already arriving at where you want to end up, but you haven't started the journey yet. Every day, believe it or not. I run into people who remind me so much of Eric. They not only have all the answers and are able to even envision the destination of where they want to end up, but they have no idea of what it's going to take to get them there. Everyone, everyone has margins. In their life. That's what I shared with the young people this morning. We all have margins. And you need to know that in those margins, that's where God operates. That's where God does God's work in the margins of our lives. If you take a blank sheet of paper and write all the things you want to do with your life, that's fine. But it's in those margins that God makes the corrections. And steers you in the path of God's will. God has a purpose and a plan for every one of us. And it's okay to make our plans. But you see, I advise you that when you make your plans, do so in consultation with God all the time. Because whether you believe it or not, it's going to end up being God's will. Our scripture lesson for this morning is about someone who not only left room in the margins for God to work, but he shunned all the easy answers so that God would direct his path. His name is Solomon. He's the son of David. And at a very young age, as the scripture points out, Solomon is about to ascend to the throne of his father, David. One night in a dream, at Gibeon, the voice of God came to Solomon saying, ask, just ask, what shall I give you? Can you imagine asking a teenager, what do you want, what, what would you like? Just just name it and I'll get you know, can you imagine? <laughs> In other words, God was saying to Solomon that he had answers for whatever he thought he needed. But instead of pouring out an endless number of requests, Solomon responded to God with a question. A question. Who am I that I should lead such a great people? God, you know my limitations. You have exalted me and put me in the midst of a great opportunity. I'm only a child. I don't know how to go out or come in. God, could you please give me an understanding heart to judge the people? The ability to discern good from evil. For who is able, another question, who is able to judge this great people of yours? And because Solomon put it in the form of a question asking God to show him, to give him, leaving room in the margins for God to work, God not only gave him the understanding heart and wisdom that he needed, but God gave him everything that he didn't ask for. Namely, long life, riches, and vengeance on his enemies. And Solomon's place in history is fixed. We all know of him. For it is written, there was none before like him. And there was none like him after his rule. Now, we will never be called upon to rule a nation like Solomon. But indeed, we have our own obligations and responsibilities to meet, our own temptations and trials to encounter. And every day we have choices, people, to make in our own little kingdoms. And today, I just want to leave you with three responses. They're really questions. That you must use when the world overwhelms you with its instant answers and its ready-made solutions that are so much a part of today's culture. Listen to these. Number one, always question the easy way. All along the Christian highway are billboard signs that say Shortcut, no effort required, no sweat of discipline needed here. You'll see that all along the way. Always question that. Nothing worthwhile or significant was ever gained without some sacrifice or effort or struggle. One of my favorite proverbs goes like this. Take from life what you want. pay for it. Take from life what you want, but pay for it. In other words, a price is required of you if you truly want the best that life has to offer. The late Gaston Foote was the pastor at First United Methodist Church in Fort Worth, Texas for many years. And he would write an article in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram every week, and he called it footnotes. And one time he wrote an article saying there are three classes of people in the church today. Three classes. He said the first class, 10% of them, they make things happen. They are the people who are in Sunday school, who teach the classes, who serve as ushers, who are in the visitation ministry, who do the mission work. Ten percent of them make things happen. Then he said the next class, 40 percent of them they just watch how things happen. They don't want to be burdened down with any responsibility or duties. They don't have time. They just sit back and they watch things happen. And the other fifty percent, they have no idea of what is happening. You see, what I'm saying to you is this. If we profess to be Christians and followers of Christ, Then you need to know that you're going to have to pay the price for something. It doesn't come just free and easy. There's no free ride. With this, we are finding ourselves in the season of Pentecost. And you see, in the season of Pentecost, you read about those disciples that cut out on Jesus, who betrayed him, who denied him. They're the same ones. But they got together in that little room and something happened. We can't go through this Christian journey without something happening. And I challenge you to be among that 10% that make things happen in the church. Always question the easy way because there is no easy way. The second thing that you need to question is the world's definition of success. We know success as prestige, power, status always question that. Real success has nothing to do with those things. In fact, if the truth be known, you'll be closer to true success than at any other time in your life when you realize that life is all about giving to people who have no way of giving back to you. Jesus defined it and redefined it. When he said that true greatness, true success, comes when you take on the form of a servant. That's true success. I often talk about the bronze statue of Jesus in one of our churches in Oklahoma City. It's a bronze statue, life-size of Jesus, kneeling over the bowl of water. To watch the disciples feet. and the sculptor puts it such where the face of Jesus is so low when I asked the pastor why, why the face of Jesus you can't see it he said oh you can see it unless you're a child or unless you're on your knees that's the true servant one who's on the always question what success is to the world And lastly, always question the fact when we are lulled into thinking that we are the masters of our fate and the captains of our soul. No, we're not. We live in a world that wants you to believe that. They got the answer to that, that you are self-made people. We're not. Question it. The truth of the matter is God And my relationship with God and Jesus Christ holds my life together. For you see, everything I have and everything I am, I owe to a God who has strengthened me and sustained me. And to a Savior who has freed me up. I owe that to God. For nothing that I have has come by any other means. It's not that everything good will happen to me, that everything in life will go my way. But it does mean that even when I'm in the most difficult times of life, having God gives me the promise and the assurance that God's grace is going to be sufficient for me and all my needs and that God's strength is made perfect. In my weakness all of us know the name Helen Keller at a very early age Helen Keller was stricken where she couldn't see or couldn't hear until she met a woman named Ann Sullivan the miracle worker you know the story but what you may not know is the day that Ann Sullivan who at the age of 14 tried to teach Helen Keller who God was How do you teach a blind, deaf person about God? And so the story says that Helen Keller, uh, Ann Sullivan took Helen Keller's fingers and put them up to her throat. And she said, repeat after me, G-G-O-O-D, God, God. And she went on to tell her that God was the creator Of all things The giver of all gifts The sustainer of all life The true miracle worker And Ann Sullivan says When she told Helen Keller that Her face lit up And Helen Keller said Oh, I'm so glad you told me his name Because he's often spoken to me many times whether God speaks to you in a dream like Solomon you need to know that every day God speaks to us that he speaks to us through the choices that we make the world will always have its easy answers but you need to know what the questions are and every morning I get out of bed I don't ask God for the answers I simply say God Tell me where you want me to go today. Who you want me to help. What you want me to do. Just lead me God. And I've discovered that every day I ask the right questions. God always works out the right answers. You know the answers. But do you know what the questions are? May God bless and keep you this day as you go along your journey. Amen.